0: Hello and welcome to On Liberty, coming to you live from the Centre for Independent Studies here in Sydney. I'm Glenn Fay, your host for today's episode, filling in for our regular host, Salvatore Babanis. I'm joined today by Melissa Montero, the CEO of the Community Migrant Resource Centre here in Sydney. Melissa, welcome to the CIS. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure, our pleasure. Melissa, can you uh, for our audience, can you tell us a little bit more about the, the Community Migrant Resource Centre that you lead?
1: Sure. Uh, the Community Migrant Resource Centre is a not-for-profit. It's uh, um, a community-based organisation, a charitable organisation established in 1996. And we are a leader in the provision of specialised support services to newly arrived migrants and to refugees and to humanitarian entrants. We work uh, within a community capacity building framework to encourage individuals and migrant communities to identify and address their own issues. Our core business is providing settlement, settlement to these newly arrived families and communities from various um, backgrounds. In addition to settlement, we provide youth services, children services, employment and employment and training, uh, social enterprises, family support. More recently, in the last few years, we've also started to provide business support and business advice through a whole suite of a whole range of business advisors um, targeting um, multicultural businesses in Sydney. Um, lastly, we have a very strong multicultural support workers provi- a program that provides support to uh, departmental organis- uh, departments like the Department of Communities and Justice, um, who also train with us and provide cultural competency training. And we also provide consultancy and a whole other range of urban activation programs. um, Glenn. Oh, it's a, there's
0: a, such a wide range there. And
1: can you tell us a bit about where the geographical
0: footprint? Are you mostly in uh, certain parts of the country?
1: Uh, we are a New South Wales-based um, organisation, very large footprint in Western Sydney. Um, about four years ago, we expanded to more northern Sydney regions, and right now we have offices in at the top right, Mall, and we... Service that whole region, including Hornsby, West West Ryde, Eastwood, Epping, and for for many years we've been very strong in the Hills area, as well as in Cumberland. And our office is based in Parramatta. The majority of our clients come from the Parramatta region.
0: And Parramatta would be within Australia. Uh, I, I suspect that the. Uh, a, a, a huge success of the of the multicultural experience in Australia, uh, because it is such a, a diverse and active community. What are the sorts of activities that that you're engaged in in, uh, in Parramatta?
1: In Parramatta, like I said, we provide this whole suite of services that I've just mentioned to you, which ranges right from settlement, and we employ bilingual support workers from more than fifteen. Backgrounds and bilingual uh, various languages that we speak. Uh, We provide settlement information and referral. We've got thousands of clients that uh, access our service every year uh, under this program alone. Um, We have employment and employment services employing, um, assisting migrants humanitarian entrants, asylum seekers when they're new to the country. We provide services for them. Um, We have a very strong early intervention program, an early intervention program that assists families with children zero to eight years and that are living in this Western Sydney region and Western Sydney part of um, Sydney. We provide assistance and play groups. We've got over 11 play groups um, in multiple schools here in Parramatta, including in um, Cumberland region. So when families are new, isolation is one of the biggest issues that we find. And women, especially women access our services and women have find it difficult to make connections in the local community. Women find it hard to interact with mainstream women and through the early intervention program that's one way a soft entry point that the organization uses to reach out to these women and so it's women in schools and schools are a great entry point again for us to engage with these communities.
0: We'll, I'm sure we'll come back to education through the conversation uh, because that, that's that's a that sounds like a really important inroad for uh, for communities but if, I think you think about the the you know you mentioned a lot of the work being around humanitarian entrance and you know it's in, in Australia in recent decades of course there's been quite a, a number of distinct waves of of, uh, of countries of origin um, for, for a humanitarian entry uh, of course there's been the Syrian um syrian refugees um uh, afghanistan uh uh, and more recently ukraine what's the what's the lessons and experiences that are drawn from those different uh entries uh over the recent years
1: very true um that we as a migrant resource center have been part of all of these waves of migration that you've just listed um right from the Syrians to the Afghanis to the Ukrainians. Um, before the Syrians, we were very actively involved in the resettlement of the African communities. Um, at the time of the Syrians, um, about six to eight years ago, we know as an organization, we were very you know, uh, involved in the resettlement of the Syrians. Um, To this date, um, Glenn, about 5,000 Syrians have arrived and have lived between New South Wales and are living in Victoria. Um, In New South Wales, they are more in Western Sydney and Southwestern Sydney. Um, We've helped them um, to settle with regard to their employment, provided employment services, uh, youth services, children's services. And um, I'm really happy and pleased to say that the community, especially the Syrian community, are uh, very well settled and uh, contributing to the economy, contributing to the community now. Uh, recently, we've seen the big Syrian story was the repat- repatriation and the rescue of the Syrian women and children um, from the ISIS camps there. Mm. And, um, you know, um, they are now in Sydney as well. Um In August last year, we saw the Afghan situation unfold, and then again, the Afghans are now in uh, between Sydney and also in other parts of Victoria and in Australia. Uh, Once again, they are housed here in Western Sydney, in Blacktown, in Auburn, in Parramatta. And the CMRC along with a host of other organizations, are very instrumental in helping these communities, including the Afghan community, to resettle here in um, Sydney. And then again, when I talk about their resettlement, the resettlement, one of the key drivers and the most important aspect for any community to settle in Australia is finding a job. And that is what our services do. We're the frontline, we're the first organizations that help with the resettlement of these newly arrived communities. We bear in mind the torture, we bear in mind the trauma that they've gone through, especially the Afghan community that have so recently come here. We bear in mind the trauma, the traumatic backgrounds that they have been exposed to for very, very long time. And employment for them is one of the most important uh, aspects that we find for, that help in their settlement. Housing, of course, housing and employment go hand in hand. You can't have any one without the other. And I think it's a whole suite of services that we and other settlement agencies, including the Settlement Services International, provide. To the Syrian, uh, to the Afghan community, Um, like I mentioned previously, it was the Syrian community. There is a whole network of settlement services in the country as well as in Sydney. And we as settlement services are talking to each other all the time. The first points of arrival are with the Settlement Services International as an organization, after which referrals are then made to this whole consortium of settlement agencies across the, on the ground in New South Wales. And uh, the the Afghan communities, we have worked closely and we have seen unfold um, a whole range of services through the Afghan associations themselves. The communities are on track and the communities, I am pleased to say are very well settling in western part of sydney
0: and in your in your view uh, australia um of course does does have compared to many other countries relatively high levels of immigration is australia a a place compared to other countries that uh, is effective in resettlement
1: I want to say because as a person that has been actively involved in the settlement and the resettlement of uh, humanitarian entrants and refugees for over 20 years now, this is my 22nd year, I'm really pleased to say and happy to say and proud to say that our government has done um, very, very effectively in helping the settlement of all of these hundreds and thousands of communities that are coming from overseas and helping these refugees to lead a new life here in Australia, providing them with pathways to social cohesion as well as economic participation. Glen, settlement is a two-way process for migrants and refugees and helping them to adjust in their new life in Australia is what our organizations are all about helping them and welcoming them is what our core mission is as the Migrant Resource Centre. All people who migrate to Australia, whether they come by force or whether they come by choice, really it is a process of settlement. And that process is very, very critical. And we as settlement agencies, I also talk on behalf of the Settlement Council of Australia today because I'm actively involved in the Settlement Council. We, as the Settlement Council, provide settlement to all these newly arrived refugee communities and humanitarian entrants. The process is very, very critical, and settlement needs arise over a lifetime. It's not just in the one to five years that the government expect communities to resettle, but settlement to me is a lifetime journey and people can be in the country for 15 years and still be resettling. Sometimes trauma may take more than five years or seven years. And we find that uh, people take much longer to navigate um, themselves with the um, essential, the uh, most immediate needs are like employment and housing. Maybe that can happen in the one to five years trauma and other other aspects take much longer to settle so settled settlement is also intergenerational with mm-hmm. children and young people born to migrant parents navigating and adjusting to bit a uh, between cultures themselves. So that is another whole um, area of resettlement. But I think that the government have done uh, wonderfully in the last um, few years, especially with regard to responding to the Syrian crisis. And, you know, as you know, um, the government responded to the conflict in the Middle East, uh, in the Middle East, and um, Australia resettled the, um, in the in in 2016-17, we first resa- resettled 12,000, and then an additional 24,000 people, uh, refugees came in from Syria and Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, the cap has increased consistently over a period of time, and more recently we've seen in the the Afghan crisis again the risk government responding and opening up, and getting a larger number of um, Afghans um, coming in again. And communities are very grateful. Um, On the other hand, the Afghans in particular, there were many people left behind. And I know the Afghans tell us because we are actively involved with the Afghan community. The Afghans are very mindful of the people that have been left behind. And so uh, this is feedback that we get from the community.
0: So there are many, of course, as you've alluded to, there, of course, there are many that are, that are currently waiting in camps of, overseas and many others who, of course, would, uh, would, would maybe are disconnected with family members that, that are here. Do, do you think that there's a, a, a large uh, demand still for for more settlements? And is there the capacity here in Australia to, to work with a larger intake?
1: Um. Yes, there is a huge demand across all of these countries that I've just alluded to, whether it is Syria or Afghanistan or more recently the Ukrainians. Yes, there is a huge demand and people wanting to come and resettle in our country, in Australia. And yes, to your second question, I do believe Australia is a a very large country. Um, a country that can afford to bring in um, many, many more hundreds and thousands, if not thousands, of people to um, our country. Um, I believe also that we do have the capability and the capacity in settlement services to help in the resettlement of our of these communities once they're here in Australia. And finally, I want to just say that I think good settlement really requires that these refugee communities are able to independently navigate, whether it is housing or whether it is employment or whether it is torture and trauma. And um, government should rely more on settlement services in the country and work closely with settlement services to facilitate this successful settlement of um humanitarian entrants and refugees who have faced so much so much of trauma in their lives before they came to Australia. So Australia can open up and be even more generous to um, these communities. And yes, please bring them.
0: Just, uh, just recently here at the CIS, we welcomed uh, a school principal from a public school in southwestern Sydney in Liverpool, and a large portion of her school uh, are made up of not only students from 90% of her students come from a non-English speaking background, but around a third come from a refugee background as well. And hers was an example of a success story in uh, transitioning students to, to school and, and, and the routines and predictability of schools. Many of course have not been in formal schooling before. Um, that's what, That to me was a real success story in education. Do you have some other success stories in education that, that you might be able to share?
1: We have um, not just one story, but I can give you examples of um, our numbers in the education leading to employment in young people in Western Sydney under the Refugee Youth Transition Support Programme. The CMRC, uh, the Community Migrant Resource Centre, have run for the last four to six years. We have very successfully uh, uh, run this YTSB program and provided education leading to employment outcomes for over 1,100 young people from refugee backgrounds in Western Sydney, again, in Parramatta, Blacktown, Auburn, Marylands. We work closely with the schools in the areas here in Western Sydney, and I can give you not just one example, but 1,100 outcomes that we have reported to to the Department of Home Affairs on very successful education outcomes leading to employment uh, with young people.
0: How do you handle the housing issue? You've you've touched on the fact that housing is a real challenge. And I mean, this is there's a supply challenge in housing in in all segments, whether it's, you know, whether we're talking about social housing, uh, affordable housing more generally in the market. How do organisations like yours deal with uh, and address some of those
1: housing challenges? Housing is a huge challenge, as you've said, rightly. And um, it is one of our biggest challenges. Um, areas in which we put a lot of emphasis on being able to get successful housing to a newly arrived refugee and humanitarian entrant, mainly because housing, as you know, if you don't have a roof over your head, it's impossible for you to settle down. And with the way that we're going in Sydney right now in New South Wales, it's very hard. And one of the things that the government are trying very hard, and there is a push to move people to regional areas. In most of our programs now, we are partnering and supporting and working together with other settlement agencies in New South Wales, for example, like the Settlement uh, Settlement uh, Services International and their Work and Stay program, where we are partnering with Work and Stay to help resettle newly arrived refugees from Sydney metro areas into regional areas. Really, we are trying to find affordable housing out of Sydney, because in Sydney, um, it is very hard. But what we are also doing is partnering with agencies and working together with other settlement agencies and the Department of Housing themselves in helping um, I think this problem can only be solved with um, coordination, collaboration and cooperation with other agencies. This is not a, a, a solution you can you cannot find a solution by just working by yourself because at the end of the day the clients are going to fall through the cracks if we don't work together and settlement agencies are working together. I know in Western Sydney, migrant resource centres are sharing knowledge and information and working closely with housing and with other inter-agencies just trying to share resources with each other, sharing contacts with each other to enable more lasting outcomes for our clients on the ground.
0: Can I ask, is it always feasible to, to push regional? Because it would seem that there's one of the reasons for success in some of the operations you've described is because there may be a scale in a community that's a degree of, of density around the services available that are all closely available and there might be other members of community that have settled earlier that, uh, that, that help with some of that integration and, and support services. Is there a risk if, if it's a more regional um, housing option? Does that restrict the availability of services for some people?
1: um i don't think it does because right now there is there are a number of services that are very actively involved in resettlement of communities in regional areas it is a well thought of program and there are a whole suite of programs that are working as a collective in helping people to resettle there culture plays a very important role and it's important that people are not just left without their cultural background and without cultural connections in those areas. And that has been taken care of as well, because people are not moving as individual families. There is a move to to, to resettle communities of people in those areas. And can I just say it is a matter of time. Today, it is a few families, a few hundred families in a year or two there will be more thousands and thousands families so give it It's just a matter of time right. that this right. will happen and people will work together
0: lisa you're also known for as being author of the book the girl from mumbai can you tell us a bit about your personal journey as well
1: thank you so much this is is something that is that i'm very passionate about i have had about 30 years of um, a background in community services and I started very young at the age of eight. That was the time that I had my first exposure to the missionaries of charity and I lived as a growing girl um, in Mumbai in in a suburb called Baikala where the missionaries of charity were on the same road as where I lived. And Mother Teresa visited when I was a very young girl, and I remember visiting. Uh, and I remember just having that one-off uh, meeting with Mother Teresa, and uh, she did touch me and influence me at the time. Um, I used to volunteer at the Missionaries of Charity as a young girl, and go in to f- just help to feed the uh, inmates at the time and what really touched me and moved me as a young girl of eight years old was that these people had nothing they wore nothing they had just plain you know gowns and they literally owned nothing but the care that the nuns took for, for these people at the time was what moved me and my father played a very big role also as a young girl my father used to work with the Indian Navy and with the Catholic Relief Services after he retired and he used to go to regional India to a number of very poor states in India in UP and Madhya Pradesh and Andhra Pradesh where the Catholic Relief Services used to provide food wheat oil rice sugar bulgur to these very poor families. And um, my father as a, uh, you know, my father used to come back home every month after a trip and he would tell me all about those stories about regional India. And they, they were life-changing stories for me. Um, on the same At the same time, I was exposed to the Salvation Army. Today, I am a Salvation Army ambassador. And uh, on the street that I lived, 400 meters away was the Salvation Army. And once again, I was influenced by the work of the Salvation Army, the work of the Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity, the work of my father, the Catholic Relief Services, and also seeing the disadvantage in the slum communities around the suburb where I lived. And that's when I decided to write a book because last year I completed 20 years in in Australia, in working in this organization. But due to COVID, I wasn't able to celebrate in 2020. And I decided to write The Girl from Mumbai, which talks about issues around uh, that are passionate to me, like women and children and disadvantage and poverty. But I also make a comparison between the rich and the wealthy in Mumbai, And the extreme poverty that exists as well, the housing problem, the prostitution. As a student, I was involved uh, and had a placement for one year in in an organization called Prerna that was providing support to children of prostitutes in the area. And once again, this was an eye-opener for me. And so in my book, The Girl from Mumbai, I talk about the last 30 years, my family, my faith, and the reasons why i am in community services and have completed 22 years in this job here at the community migrant resource center so i'd encourage all uh, your listeners today uh, to please purchase a copy of the book the girl from mumbai it's available on amazon it's an award-winning um, book in 14 different categories including immigration and so that's the story of my uh, my story um, in the book.
0: Thanks very much, Melissa. Not every day that we have a guest who has personally met Mother Teresa. What, what a wonderful story! Uh,
1: I even have a signed uh, um, a book that was signed and given to my grandfather, and my grandfather gave it to me. And so I have a copy of her signature, which I I'm very proud to say that I have still over 30, 40 years with me.
0: That's wonderful. Melissa, thank you so much for your time here on On Liberty.
1: Thank you for having me, Glenn.
0: And that was episode 103 of On Liberty. Join us again in a fortnight's time for our final episode of the year where we're joined again by our regular host, Salvatore Babonas. In the meantime, I hope to see you here at CIS for our regular event series. And in the meantime, bye for now.